If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Nick Thompson. You may know him from Love is Blind Season 2. He is a mental health advocate. He is an executive director of the UCAN Foundation, which is a foundation advocating for people who go on reality TV shows. Nick comes on the podcast today to talk about basically what it's like going through a very, very public breakup. He was married as a result of the show and then went through a divorce. And he shares what it's like going through a breakup where you really cannot control the narrative, where you are completely inundated by news articles, social media, commentary, and how he was able to set boundaries and stay true to himself, how he really did what he could to create a bubble around himself so he was actually able to heal. We talked about how to validate your own emotions when kind of the world is telling you that something different happened. And his experience is really so inspiring. And even though most of you listening have not gone through a reality show breakup, I think you can learn so much from his experience and how he was able to, I'm just so in awe of how he was able to stay so true to himself throughout this process when he really had a lot taken away from him as a result of this show. So I am such a big fan of Nick and so grateful to have him on the show. And I know you guys are going to love this interview. Welcome, Nick, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. It is so exciting to have you on. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. So I would love if we could start off. I know so many people have seen Love is Blind, but I would love if you could just start off by giving a little bit of your background on the show. Sure. So um, my experience on Love is Blind was in season two. Now, for those of you who haven't seen it before, Love is Blind is a Netflix reality dating show where you actually spend time, uh, 15 men and 15 women spend time connecting through a wall where you can't actually see the person. And then you do that for about 10 days, sensibly narrowing it down as the days go on until you either make the decision to propose and get engaged, 
or the decision not to with, you know, someone that you're connected with. And then if you get engaged, you get to see each other for the first time. And then you see each other for the first time, you spend the next few weeks getting to know each other's family, friends, back sort of to real life for what that's worth. It's not really real life. It's still manufactured scenes. But, you know, after that, you ultimately come to the altar where you decide whether or not you're going to marry this person after about seven weeks together. So my experience, I did get married and then I did also get divorced shortly thereafter, very publicly, which I think we'll probably talk about today. Yeah, it's a very interesting concept. And from a conceptual standpoint, it works. Obviously, like I definitely fell in love, you know, and that obviously doesn't, you know, doesn't mean a relationship works. But, um, you know, it's an interesting concept, despite, um, you know, a lot of the the challenges that come along with any reality TV show I'm learning. Yeah, I know. And I, I want to get to that kind of part of your story, too. But we were chatting just before recording about how you know, it's so funny because I get messages all the time about people who are like, okay, my breakup is really different. Like, I don't think you've heard a story like this before and stuff. And most of the time I'm like, I've kind of heard most stories, you know, like I think a lot of us are not as unique as we think we are. However, in your case, this is a very different breakup. It's like I mentioned before, it's a breakup on steroids. There are just so many other factors that are going into this. So I guess my like general question on this is what was it like going through a breakup under a microscope that the whole world could see? Yeah, you know, that's, um, that's a great question. And any breakup is hard. And, you know, to your point, like you've probably heard it all. I think we all, we all think we've heard it all. And, you know, sometimes the, the main difference is like how it impacts you and, and your unique ability to process it and all that stuff. And, you know, Mine happened so quickly and it was a bit of a surprise in a sense. I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting it, but the worst part about all of it was that it just kept snowballing and it was happening so fast. And then in the public eye on top of it, TMZ leaked our divorce before I even told my family and most of my friends. So, you know, waking up to TMZ news alert and, you know, phone calls, text messages, news articles. I mean, all of that stuff, you know, it's incredibly challenging to go through. Not to mention the fact that just because you saw this on TV doesn't mean that it wasn't real. And I think people forget that people on reality shows are real people with real struggles and and real feelings. And is that always the case? No, I'm sure there's people that are, are, you know, faking it till they make it. And that's fine, but like that wasn't my experience at all. And so going through that and having all of these people who saw, I think total, it ended up being probably an hour and 40 minutes if you combine both Love is Blind and After the Altar, which is the three episode follow up they do about a year later. And you take all of that and you have people just completely projecting what they feel your relationship is without any idea of what it was actually like day to day. So, you know, it's hard to sort of keep your head right so you can process what actually happened versus the commentary that's coming in. And it's not just on social media. It's the news outlets. I mean, there were there were days where I would pick up my phone and it would be People, Entertainment, Weekly, Insider, all these different media outlets trying to get an interview. And, you know, I I widely rejected those because I didn't want to air my personal laundry publicly, but 
you know, there's narratives out there that are are not true and they're slanderous and they're defaming and they're hurtful. And it's just really tough to go through a breakup, as we all know. But then to do it when you get the commentary of the entire world on it, it's just a whole different level of discomfort and pain. Yeah, it's like you were getting probably unsolicited everything, advice, commentary, people who thought they, you know, people who are diehard about that show thinking they know what they saw and how, you know, probably saying like, you guys should do this or you should have done this or, you know, and only seeing like a tiny bit of it. I think my biggest question that I really wanted to ask you is part of a breakup, such an important part of a breakup is processing your emotions, validating your feelings, validating your experience. And I think, you know, we see it in people that come out of relationships with like narcissists where they were gaslit a lot of the relationship and Mm -hmm. they have to kind of re-come to terms with the reality of what they experienced. How were you able to kind of shield yourself and protect yourself and have a safe space to validate your feelings and your experience? I think overall, and you know, there were so many narratives. I mean, I had a friend who was visiting, for example, from England, I hadn't seen in like five years, I think. And we went out to brunch in a group. And there was someone that started a, a rumor on Reddit that I had an affair. And that was why the relationship ended. So I was, you know, getting scrutinized for things like that. I'm like, that had that is not true. Like, and then that Reddit thread in the internet, the mob just comes after you. And People were sending me DMs. People were publicly calling me a cheater. And it's just like those kind of things you you just you can't process. Like, how do you process something that isn't true, but people believe it's true, right? And the thing with going on reality TV is you you do watch it back feeling like you're being gaslit. Like, I didn't say that there, or there was way more context to that, or that's not how that happened. And those types of things are, are hard to come to grasp with in general. And then to sit there and have like this public narrative and all this speculation, like it was very hard to process and it was a very difficult time. And then shortly after that, I had, I had also um, lost my job partially because of this. And it was just a real like life altering events and people just had these narratives. And the best, the best thing for me is I don't really care what people think about me. I know that I'm a good person and I do the best I can. And I try hard and I work hard and I work hard in in relationships. I work hard in my personal career and and everything else. So for me, what it ended up becoming was just cutting off, you know, as much communication as I possibly could with people that had, you know, their narrative and were cruel online. But it's still, I think it elongates the process of, of healing and elongates the process of sort of reflecting and taking away learnings. Um, I'm still doing that. And it's, it's, um, it's, you do feel gaslit when people are telling you what your relationship was like and what happened and they have no idea. Yeah. And even, I mean, I just going through a breakup is already so exhausting, just the, the process of your body and your brain and your heart, like all the things that you're going through. And then on top of that, the amount of energy that And even if you probably didn't want to have to spend time doing this, putting energy into almost having to protect yourself and defend yourself and and all of that kind of thing. And and it's, you know, when we talk about social media with a normal breakup, it's like, okay, block or mute your ex. It's pretty as simple as that. But for you, it's just so much more expansive than that. How did you create 
like a bubble for yourself or were you even remotely able to? So, you know, first it was, I cut off. And again, like there were people from the show that had narratives and you were not in my relationship. I don't want to like shut the F up quite frankly. Yeah. So I actually muted every single person from the show. I'm not going to create the drama by unfollowing and giving yeah. a whole new news cycle to deal with. So I just muted everyone from the show because quite, quite honestly, like no one ever reached out to me from the show. So it was like, and it's screw this, like, I'm just going to be with my people. So that was one thing I never did set up like Google alerts or anything, but I, I, I would get sent stuff followers, of course, like news articles or so-and-so said this. And, you know, I take, take a lot of pride in the fact that I never like dodged or lost my integrity. I never talked shit about anybody. I don't feel like that's in my character. And so that wasn't always easy. Let me tell you. And that's a, a learned skill that I learned over time because I, I used to be very reactive. I'm very sarcastic and I can sting very easily and very quick because I'm witty with it. And so it was very hard for me to like not resort back to that when I was feeling attacked and, you know, projected on from not just people that knew me from the show, but people that like I actually met making the show that were still, you know, having their opinions and, and all sorts of stuff. And then the other thing is now, even when I do get a news thing about the foundation or, you know, I, I do Google myself to see, you know, what, if there's anything new coming out that I need to be aware of. And even now, like I read stuff and it's like, oh, you know, Nick and Danielle reunited for a podcast to talk about their experience. And then there's a whole paragraph about how messy the divorce was on social media and how we were both airing our dirty laundry. It's like, I never aired any dirty laundry. So like, even that is just like, that did not happen. Like I did not, I specifically wrote my statement on social media and then never talked about the show experience again until yeah. I started the foundation. So yeah. it's just like, it's just crazy and incredibly challenging when all these angles are coming at you, telling you what it is and they actually have no idea and it's not accurate. So that and the, the bubble was just, I'm done with all of these people, all of these things that remind me so that I can focus inward. And, you know, um, you know, everyone, everyone was muted. And that includes like, like Entertainment Weekly, the all the news sites, like I wasn't seeing any of it. And if people would send me something, I would kindly either ignore it or ask them not to do it. Anymore. Yeah. Well, I was actually reading an article and they... It's it's interesting because the article did mention like the boundaries that you put up around like talking about the separation. And it's it was really interesting when I was reading it. It was almost it was almost like docking you for doing it, saying mm -hmm. like the media almost gave you this like hard time for setting boundaries, even though as a society now we all love talking about boundaries and how important they are. Yet when you set them, it's like the world thought that you owed them more, which is so strange, right. but how did your strength from boundaries, where'd that come from? Is that something you've always had? I would love if you could kind of talk about your experience with boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries have changed my life for the better in so many ways. And, you know, they're difficult. I never used to really have that. I used to spend time with people that would only take to the point where it'd be exhausting. I would always, I have a inherent need to like support and help people. So 
you know, you oftentimes get attracted to people that need support and help 100% of the time. And so that, and then like my relationship with some family members and stuff, you know, I would spend so much time with my family, not realizing that like, that was actually not the healthiest thing for me to do. So I was like putting boundaries around, you know, when I see and engage with certain people, putting boundaries around people in my life that were just taking or weren't making me feel supported or in a good, good spot or a good relationship. And I just learned in therapy, like you have to protect your peace basically. And so, you know, that first boundary is always super, super hard. Then when you start realizing the benefits of, you know, shedding what's not meant for you and limiting, you know, things and having acquaintances, not everyone needs to be a best friend. That was a game changer for me. I'm pretty good at putting up boundaries because I know that the benefits follow shortly after. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd say in the last probably five years, that's been something that I had been working on, but I'm just imagining setting a boundary and then having like being publicly scrutinized for it's already hard for me to, you know, like tell a family member, hey, I can't do this. And then for them to like fight back on that. But to have the weight of media and social media fighting back, that takes some serious strength to stay firm in that. Well, yeah, and it wasn't always easy. And here's the thing that I I realized too. And when I had to set the boundaries of I'm going to mute everyone from the show, it was not it. And I'm going to mute love is blind. I'm going to mute, not going to see when they tag me and stuff or post a meme or whatever. When I did that, and I made those decisions. For me, it was it was a way to to protect myself from building resentment towards all of this stuff. But it was also there because I needed to get out of that world. Like that world had caused me so much distress, so much emotional pain. And, you know, the point when, when it like contributed to me losing my job and like, by the way, for Brent, like I still haven't been able to find a job. Nobody takes me seriously anymore. Like my life is totally in chaos. And, you know, I, I be fully transparent. Like I have flown through my savings. I've cashed out my 401ks. I've fallen off of unemployment. I'm a VP at a software company and I'm incredibly experienced, incredibly talented, and I'm not being taken seriously. So like this whole thing just completely uprooted my entire life that I had worked my entire life for. And I just needed it to be out because I was going to be too resentful. I was going to stay too angry. I was going to be in that negative space and it wasn't going to do anything for me except bring me down. So, you know, I almost feel like I didn't have a choice if I was ever going to start the healing process and and not build endless amounts of resentment. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think any time you're able to remove yourself from a toxic situation like that. And even when people are coming out of a, a breakup, there are, I think we, there are times where you do have to make sacrifices like that, where you have to remove yourself from, let's say a group of friends or, and it's not, you know, not to say that that'll be forever, but it's kind of just realizing that in the short term, you need to, you got to pull yourself out because that's the only way you're going to be able to heal. One thing that you had talked about in your podcast with Danielle was how it felt like, and you kind of just touched on it, but it felt like you were defined by this relationship, this show. You know, you just touched on like the career aspect, but like, how have you worked on redefining yourself and and what has that looked like? That's a, a really good question. And in all honesty, it's a work in progress. But one thing that 
I'm very proud of in terms of, you know, kind of integrity, but like, I didn't change. Like I look around and you see people from reality shows, you see people, not people that I know, like people changed and whatever, teach their own, but sort of decided that they were going to be this image of what they were believed to be instead of being who they really were. And, you know, for me, like, I remember I, I talked to our publicist when we first finished up the show and they were like, okay, what kind of stuff do you want to do? I'm like, well, I want to talk about mental health. I want to talk about holistic health and wellness and how I make my own products. And then I want to talk about news and politics because those are the things that I spend my days, you know, engaging in. And they were like, okay, well, we don't want to do too much of the holistic stuff because you'll alienate big brands. We don't want to do news and politics because it's too dividing. And then the mental health stuff, just stay high level on what you talk about. I'm like, so you just took all these things that define me and told me I can't be them. And one of the first podcasts I did was a news and politics show. And so, you know, that and then podcasts like this and, and interviews about the things that are important to me. So I stayed true to that. And I never devolved on that, despite the fact that like, if I do say something about politics or news, people are like stay in your lane, reality star. It's like, what the f- are you talking about? I don't know if that's where in here. Okay. Like, what are you talking about? I just saw too on one of my follows that people that swear are uh, more honest. Oh, I know. I think it adds, I think it adds authenticity to the show. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It's just like doing that and just not caving into the pressure of being this caricature that people want me to be being known for your relationship. When I've always thought people would know me for my ideas, if at all. Right. And then to be known just for your relationship. And when you talk about your ideas and you talk about the things you're passionate about, people tell you to stay in your lane. It's a lot of pressure. That and then the money comes in. And I've I've told this story before, but like Head and Shoulders was offering a significant amount of cash for a couple of stories and a reel. And and you know, I looked at it and I'm like, that is a lot of money for you know a couple hours maybe of my time. And I'm like, but if I were to do head and shoulders promotion, like that wouldn't be me because if I I don't have dandruff, if I had dandruff, I wouldn't use head and shoulders. Yeah. So it's like, why would I? So I didn't. So I walked away from things like that too. And so you're getting all this pressure from all these areas to like change and conform into this, this like power couple that got married on a reality show. And like, you know, you're known for your relationship. And I, I mean, I'm proud of myself for staying true to myself, but it, it is hard. There's a lot of pressure there to be what people want you to be instead of who you are. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is so important to share your thoughts and feelings while going through a breakup, especially if it's something you're feeling any guilt or shame around. I know whenever I'm struggling with a certain thought or situation and I keep it to myself, it gets heavier and heavier and feels harder and harder to manage. I truly believe we are as sick as our secrets. Therapy has always been a safe space for me to have a judgment-free zone to get things off my chest. Whether it's something from my past, a current struggle, or something I'm anxious about in the future, I always feel lighter when I'm able to share something that feels scary. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash heartbreak. 
If you are a listener of this podcast, you know I warn about how your phone can either be a great tool or a huge obstacle when it comes to getting over your breakup. Instead of spending time on your phone trying to figure out what your ex is up to, why not spend some time engaging in a super fun mystery game that will help take your mind off your breakup? June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I am such a big mystery and puzzle fan, so this game has been so fun for me to get into. When I'm looking for a little escape from reality during the day or a way to relax that doesn't involve social media, it's been so fun to use my brain in a new way by diving into June's captivating quest and engaging my sense of observation to find the hidden clues. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The last time I went through a breakup, I know my mom was someone I was really able to lean on and get support from. She has always been a rock for me through heartbreak and everything in between. And with Mother's Day right around the corner, I wanted to share an idea of something super special that you can give to your mom. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Every week, they will email your mom a question, and she can either type out an answer or record one. And at the end, mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book, and they can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. I gifted my mom this, and it means so much to me that I can not only learn so many of her stories, but also preserve them for my kids and future generations. My mom has already talked about how fun it's been for her to reflect on her past and think about things that she hasn't in so long. It even prompted her to dig up some old photos from when she was in the newspaper for being the only female mail carrier in Detroit in the 60s. So cool. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code HEARTBREAK at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code HEARTBREAK for 10% off today. Well, and I just, I met, like, it would have been so easy to just completely lose yourself combining all of those kinds of pressures combined with all of the snowballing narratives about you and your relationship. I mean, it would just be so easy to let go, you know, because it takes work to stay Mm -hmm. true to yourself and it would have been really easy to just let that all go and just kind of run away with the train on, on all of that. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about, I love get making sure we give like practical kind of tips on this show, but what did your mental health practice look like day to day when you were in the midst of the separation? It was brutal. You know, it was me throwing myself into my work, spending time with my like friends before the show that, and I'll be honest, like there were friends that I I didn't also overwhelming when you can't go to the grocery store without five people stopping you. And that's okay. Like that doesn't bother me. I know that, you know, it makes people's day and they're excited and they want to say hi. And you know, that that's totally fine, but it creates this like pressure as we talked a little bit about and then you look around, you see what everyone else on the cast is doing and People want to see you guys together. They want to think you're all, you know, best friends. And like, there's all these, you know, other pressures there. And for me, my mental health was trashed, obviously. And, you know, I I was still seeing my therapist. I was forcing myself. I remember like, I know I should be taking morning walks, not just letting the dog go to the bathroom coming in. So like, 
back in at the end of the summer last year, I'm like, I'm going to take a 20 minute walk every morning, no matter what. So I put that in there because I knew that that was going to help regulate my nervous system. You know, I, I continued, obviously, therapy. I continued working out. I made sure the human little dog. <laughs> <laughs> She's more disruptive outside than in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I started journaling, which is something I, I've always done since I was a kid. Maybe not in as formal of a way as I was, but I, I was starting to, you know, write down, okay, how did I live within my values today? What is my intention for the day? What am I grateful for? And I actually like wrote a, a self-guided journal uh, based on what I started doing there. And those were just all accumulated from, you know, other experts in the field, therapy, all of that stuff. And that was really important to do. And I actually, I need to be more consistent with it. So anyone out there that, that journals and isn't consistent, you're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So there was just that kind of stuff. You know, one thing I was, I was disappointed a bit in myself was I'm usually pretty disciplined in, in how I eat. That was one thing that I was just like, you know what, that's where I'm going to show myself some grace. If I want to eat pizza and burgers, that's going to be fine. So, you know, showing yourself some, some leeway and giving yourself some opportunity, find ways to comfort yourself uh, in, in such distress and disarray is really how I did it. Now, was it perfect? No, not at all. It's definitely a challenge. Even to this day, it's still, you know, it's a lot. Yeah. And speaking of grace, I mean, I hear all the time about how people can just get in these obsessive thought loops about how they acted within the relationship and how this and how that it's like people play these mental tapes. There were literal tapes of like, you know, of you and like in this, you know, part of this relationship was literally filmed. Like, how were you able to give yourself? grace for, you know, during the show, after the show, during the healing process? So I walked into this show and I, I was typically a pretty confident person. I was exactly where I wanted to be in my life. Uh, going into the show, I felt good about myself from a mental perspective, from a, a physical perspective. And I was just like, I'm going to be me. I'm going to go on the show and I'm going to be me. And if somebody falls in love with that and I fall in love with them, that's great. If I go home after the first day, because I don't feel connected with anyone, that's okay, too. And that's sort of my my mindset is take it or leave it. Like, I'm not for everyone. Everyone's not for me. And that's okay. So that mindset really took me through. I mean, to this day, it takes me through my my day to day life. But one of the things that I stopped doing was taking care of myself, especially towards the end of things as the show was out. Things were, were getting complicated. Things were not working. We were having difficulties adjusting to real life. And there was no support from the show, despite what they say, despite asking multiple times to just help us find a therapist. You don't even have to pay for it, even though they contractually say they will. But we couldn't find one because it was it was so busy. So things like that, you know, I kind of lost track of, of some of the things that were important to me. And, you know, you're, you're traveling a lot. You're doing a lot of press. You've got the reunion. You're filming after the altar. Like, all this stuff is all happening while the whole world is watching you. And then shortly after that. And so that's where I really lost it for a while, for a number of months. And, and it wasn't until really maybe a few weeks or a month after the separation that I really was like, okay, I've got to start taking care of myself because no one else is doing it. <laughs> no one else is going to do it. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have to give ourselves grace for times that we're not fully taking care of ourselves. And I think just having the awareness of like, okay, I can always get back into it, I think is awesome. And 
And I know a big part of your platform now is is speaking out against the practices of reality TV. And I would love if you could, you know, share that on this show as well. And I'm curious, was there a moment where like the light bulb came on and you're like, wait a second, that was insane. So that was all part of like the processing and getting back into self-care because this stuff comes at you a mile a minute. Yeah. And I just, and I still feel this way sometimes, but like, I felt like life was happening to me and I wasn't an active participant in it. And, um, you know, it was that realization in December that I really was like, okay, this is fucked up. When I look back and I'm like, the fact that like, I've lost everything that I worked for. And the fact that like, no one from Netflix or Kinetic, which is the production company that produced the show, has offered me any support after putting me on blast, essentially, you know, just by having me on the show. And the fact that there was, you know, things like that happened when you were filming, like the way they slowly take away all of the things that identify you and you don't even really realize it until you think back about it. And it wasn't until even recently that, you know, I started describing it as like joining a cult because the way you get there and you, you arrive and they tell you, okay, you're not allowed to talk to anyone that you're around because that, they want that all on camera. So I'm sitting there with all these guys, we're all going to do this experience together and we can't talk to them. And then they take your phone, which they tell you ahead of time, you're not going to have access to the internet. Then they take your ID and they take your credit cards. Then they take your passport. Then they go through your bag and they remove anything that they, they choose. And um, then they send you to a hotel room where you're not allowed to leave. You're not allowed to talk to anyone in your life, any of your structure and support system is out the window and they own you. They own where you go. They own who you talk to. They own who, what you do. And they shuttle you around and move you back and forth. It's like trafficking almost. And there's nothing you can do. Cause what are you going to do? Say I'm going home with what ID, with what money with. So, you know, those types of things, when I started reflecting back on that, you know, getting a little bit clearer, that's when I started to realize this isn't right. And I actually, I did a full circle because I had a conversation walking through the entire experience with Dr. Isabel Morley, who's the board of the UCAN Foundation as our director of mental health services. She was writing an article for Psychology Today and asked me if I would do an, an anonymous interview. And so we spent hours and I walked through all of this process. And that was when I was like, this is insane. And this is like inhumane. And the fact that like my entire life is ruined and I didn't do anything, like I wasn't a villain. I wasn't, I didn't cheat, but like, these were the things that were out there. And so it was at that point where I'm like, I'm all, I took a week off of social media. It might've been a little bit longer. And I was like, I'm out of this, this stuff. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And I even was, you know, I, I was dragging my feet on any of the foundation stuff. Cause I was like, I can't mentally do it anymore. Like, I need to be completely removed from this reality TV world where people are, you know, not always authentic and there is no support and you're abused and you're exploited and, and your relationship is exploited and your, your pain is exploited, your recovery, everything is exploited. So I just like got off social media for a while and I'm like, I'm going to just think through like what I want to do. And it, it was on the table. Like I had entire sessions with my therapist where we evaluated, like, is it time to just quit social media completely? Is it time to just let this just be in the past and, you know, go forward? And that's the, the inspiration for renaming my show to Eyes Wide Open and, you know, even getting a tattoo of that because 
that was what I had to do. Like I had to put everything behind me. I had to stop letting life happen to me. And I had to go through life with my eyes wide open and take control of stuff. That was really like the moment. And then Business Insider reached out doing an expose on the treatment of love is blind. And I, I didn't respond for a little bit. because so I was like, no, I'm not going back into this. I don't want my name. And I, I refused media opportunities to like catch up and see what my dating life was like and all that stuff. I just didn't want it anymore. And then, you know, as time went on and I started to process all these things that happened to me and how horrible it all was, that's when I was like, okay, you know what? I am going to do this foundation because it's in my personal ethos that when something's wrong, someone should say something. And if no one's going to say something, then I'm going to step up to the plate and say something. So I had to say something. I had to start the You Can Foundation. I have to be, you know, fighting for people and let me tell you, a lot of them don't care and don't even want it, even though that's changing and people are starting to speak up about how ridiculous this entire industry is and how exploitative it is and how they make millions, if not billions of dollars off of you, your likeness, and you get no residuals. You don't get any mental health support. You don't. You get bullied by a legal department that has you literally signing away your rights as, a, as <laughs> protected by the Constitution in some cases let alone the fact that they say they can defame you. And I thought, about, I'm like, this is wrong. Like, this is just wrong. And so I'm, I'm like, here we go. I'm guessing I'm going to throw myself back into this nightmare. And it was, it was awful. I mean, even now it's like, it's been a little bit better and more people are coming around, but, you know, standing up against the man, if you will, is not easy, especially when you're not emotionally feeling your best and you're grieving a relationship and trying to process the public view of all of it. That's a long answer. but. Yeah. I mean, when I was listening to the episode with Danielle, which I highly recommend everyone goes listens to your podcast and especially the the episode with Danielle, but the things that they were, she was saying that they were like saying to her behind the scenes was mm -hmm. insane. Like just continuing to re-traumatize her from past stuff. And like, it's crazy. Even the fact that they would tell her like, you know, Nick said this and I never said that. Yeah. Like, Saying Nick said that he's not sure he can deal with your anxiety. Like, if I had a challenge with her anxiety, I wouldn't say that because that yeah. is, that's like not looking at someone as a human being. Like, yeah. if I did, I would say it much gentler, I would imagine, but that's not something I, I let define my opinions of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's like absolutely crazy the things that they put you guys through. And, and one of the things I was, wondering is obviously you two went through a traumatic experience together and do you feel like there was any like we talk about trauma bonds and having to break those was do you feel like that was also an additional part of the breakup is like she was kind of the only person that understood what you went through and how were you able to deal with that i think there's definitely trauma bonding i feel like we broke that when we decided we were going to talk again. Yeah. And because, you know, we actually did the first time we got together. And even a couple weeks after when we would talk, she had um, a bubble gun. And if one of us talked about the show or our experience or anything that happened in the past, like we would have to shoot each other with, a, with bubbles. Yeah. To just lighten the mood. And, you know, at first I thought it was kind of silly and fun. And then I was kind of like, you know what? Like, we don't really talk about the show anymore. 
I'll share stuff going on with the foundation. There's a, and there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that's going to make a lot of change and a lot of change quickly. And mm-hmm. I'm super excited about that. So I'll share that stuff with her. But like, even when we talk now, we don't talk about the show or when we see each other, like we don't talk about, it. we talk about what we're doing with our lives. We, you know, what's new for us, how we're fitting. And, you know, she kind of took a similar approach, I think too, where she, for the most part, tried to just remove herself from all of it. And that's really the only way that that you can heal. So I think there was trauma bond. I think we broke that, at least between us. But I definitely think there's trauma bond that other people have with each other on the show. And and it's it's very yeah, it's 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 like Stockholm syndrome in a in a yeah. essence as well. Where you just start and for those of you who don't know what Stockholm syndrome is when you start to feel empathy for your abuser. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of that going on in all of reality TV. Yeah. Circling back to the reality TV part, I mean, you had said that this has been a really difficult thing for you to have to show up for, but is there any part of you that kind of having this higher purpose to make changes, has any part of that been helpful in the mental health healing journey? At first, it was re-traumatizing for a few yeah. weeks. Actually, it was okay. it was literally. If I'm being honest. It wasn't until I talked to Danielle that I felt like this was a official thing. And privately, obviously, we talked before yeah. podcast episode, but that was when we decided to do that because that was very healing to have that that element of not talking for what six months at the time. And then you know, at first, it was we're both back in the media, like we had both kind of you know retreated from it. And then, you know, having to tell Inside Edition, like, I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable doing a group meeting or a group interview with her. Uh, so the point where they had to do it separate and, you know, trying to, to push the foundation. But what really gets me going and what, you know, is why I'm in news and politics. is like I've been working in politics and political campaigns since 2008. And so when I, you know, to circle back, when I say like, oh, it's very hard having people know me from my relationship. When growing up, I wanted to be president. Why do I want to be president? I want to make the world a better place. My idea is not me. So doing this work has been very fulfilling and healing because I'm actually going to leave reality TV in a better state than it was when I got there. And yeah. that change and that that organizing that I'm doing and all of that stuff, like that's inspiring to me. That's who I am as a person. And so, you know, I, I find it hilarious when people like Nick Vile or other commentators say, oh, you know, you're doing this for fame. Like it's an organizer for fame. Like that's ridiculous, right? You do it because you have something that you need to, to make change in. And that that's kind of where I'm at. So I find th- those things to even invigorate me a little bit because it's like, you're an idiot. You have no idea what you're talking about. And this yeah. is who I am. This is who I've been. And this is, you know, the skill set that's going to help me actually force change in the industry. Well, I think it's incredible everything that you're doing, and I'm so appreciative for you coming on the show and and sharing your experience. Could you share how people can connect with you and specifically connect with the foundation? Absolutely. So you can connect with me on all socials, Nick Thompson, Instagrams, nthompson513, everywhere else. You can just search my name. It shows up. I'm on LinkedIn too. I talk a lot about mental health in the professional workspace and being a leader. And then on social media, I'm, I'm trying to obviously still represent myself and my day-to-day life, but also talk about the UCAN Foundation, which is the Unscripted Cast Advocacy Network. And our goal is to ensure that all reality cast members get 
mental health and legal support before, during, and after the process. And then we also have ambitions to really force change in the industry through organizing and and recognizing that, hey, we are all working when you're on a reality TV show, and we're going to make sure that there's some common labor practices around that as well. That's incredible. And make sure people check out your podcast too, Eyes Wide Open. And I'll link everything in the show notes. But thank you so much again, Nick, for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. 